You are listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Welcome to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Battalion Chief Brian Mulry. Today I'll be speaking with Lieutenant Tim Klett from Engine 88. Tim, welcome. Hello, Chief. Thanks for having me. Today's topic will be engine operations at cellar fires. Tim, you had a job recently in a three-story Class 4 wood MD, 30 by 70. We had heavy fire in a cellar upon arrival. Maybe you just start us from the beginning. The ticket came in and go from there. So, yeah, Chief, it, it was early in the tour. We had just got done writing a roll call, checking the rigs, and I was done handing out the assignments for the back step. When the run came in, a very short run for us, down the block, one turn, and we're there. When we pulled up, it, it didn't really present itself as a serious fire. There was a lot of smoke out of the front of the building, but no obvious fire showing at that point. We really weren't sure where the fire was in the building. And, and on a side note, whenever I see that, you know, my first concern is that I have fire in the cellar. Yeah. And Whenever I see that, I try to rule that out. That's the first place I'm going to look or have somebody check. Just make sure it isn't the cellar because I don't know anybody that likes cellar fires. Yeah. So we were met at the front of the building by an occupant that was leaving the building that actually informed us the fire was in the cellar. And that also there was the possibility of a family still trapped on the floor above on the second floor. So we did stretch to the top of the basement stairs, Mm -hmm. and the fire did meet us at the top of the stairs. Captain Mitchell from 38 Truck got the door to the cellar and opened it and found fire at the top of the cellar stairs. So the fire had possession of the cellar and the cellar stairs itself. So we we had to make the decision which way we were going to advance on this fire. I could have very easily made the decision uh, not to use the interior stairs to the cellar, right. but based on the reports of occupants trapped, I was left very little choice, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, how about were you aware of an alternate means to access the cellar? One of my first questions I communicated to the OV from 38 truck and asked him if he had found an alternate means of access into the cellar via the rear of the building. And at that point, he couldn't get to the rear because the only alleyway at that point was blocked now by fire venting out of one of the cellar windows. All right, so you're at the top of the stairs. The truck company's performing searches. There was a report of occupants were trapped. Did they clear that up uh, initially? Well, they were searching the first floor. Captain Mitchell took control of the door. And once I got to the top of the cellar stairs, I took over control of the door, which I wanted. I wanted control of the stairs. That way I could manage the number of people in front of the stairs and manage the activity in the stairway itself. At that point, the truck continued the primary search of the first floor. I think the results of that were negative, and I'm not sure if they sent anybody to the second floor on those reports. The second truck was in fairly quickly, and I believe that they ended up on the second floor making their searches quite rapidly. All right, so you're at the top of the cellar stairs. Do you have any direction to your members stretching that line? Sometimes it could be cramped. Flaking the line out could be a problem. What are the conditions of the first floor so that you you were able to flake it out? That's actually a, a great question because most times when we're setting up for our advance, at like a taxpayer or a regular apartment, we're flaking our line out in a clear area. We can see what we're doing. At this point, we didn't have a clear area. And also, the line had already been charged. We weren't going to enter the building without a charged hand line. Mm -hmm. So not only did we have to deal with a charged hand line, setting it up for an advance down the stairway into the cellar, Mm -hmm. we had to find areas to put that extra hose now charged that would facilitate that advance down the stairs. We had to make sure that we had enough line positioned in line with the opening to the stairs and not turn toward the front of the building. We want it past the stairway. Mm-hmm. That way, when we made our advance down the stairs, there would be no delay or we wouldn't get stuck halfway down the stairs. 
it wasn't lights out, but there was enough smoke that made it a little more difficult for them to flake out. They had to find search and find areas to put hose for that initial push down the stairs. We weren't going to put the total amount of hose past the stairway. I just wanted enough for the initial push down the stairs. And what a lot of people forget, we wanted to have enough to get down the stairs and make that turn at the bottom of the stairs so we can actually start putting water where we needed it. Yeah. So we had a conversation with the nozzle firefighter and the backup firefighter as to how much hose we needed. And they understood that we had to put enough hose beyond the entrance to the cellar to facilitate the entire advance of the stairway, not the cellar itself, but we just want enough hose to make it down the stairs and be able to turn, get out of the stairway mm -hmm. and make a turn toward the back. And then we would deal with getting more hose to make our push through the, the rest of the basement. But we did want enough hose at the entrance to the cellar stairway to make that entire advance. Yeah, absolutely. It's important to have enough to get down. You don't want to find out halfway down that you don't have enough. Did you create a bow in the line uh, at the top of the stairs? Is that how you did it? Prior to the advance, there was enough room where we could take that same bowl that we'd put a rise in. We were able to lay it on the floor in the opposite direction that the nozzle was going to advance. And he was feeding hose in the opposite direction. And basically, it's the same thing as raising a bowl. Just mm -hmm. because he had enough room, he laid that bowl on the floor. Once we got three quarters of the way down the stairs, he had said that he was able to raise that bowl into the stairway, which actually helped us even more yeah. getting that line down the stairs because it added that weight and a little bit of pressure on us and that actually helped us slide down the stairs. We talk often about the importance of communication between the engine and ladder company officers. Fire match at the top of the stairs. What's the truck doing now? When 38 truck passed control of the, the door to the stairway to the cellar to me, uh, he informed that he was going to conduct his primary search on the first floor. At that point, I told him that I would let him know when we were about to make our advance down the stairs. I didn't want to have them remote from that door. In the event that too much fire came out, we were driven back from the doorway itself, thereby trapping them towards the rear of the building. So prior to opening that door and us making our push down the cellar stairs, I informed the truck boss that we were going to reopen the cellar stairs now and conditions might change. Mm -hmm. I still had control. If the change was so drastic, all I had to do was close the door and then we would have had to go to plan B. But I had a discussion with my nozzle firefighter at the top of the stairs, what I wanted to do, the order, how we were going to advance down the stairs. Yeah, well, why don't you tell us about that? We talked about that the fire was going to meet its behind the door. We were going to have to flow water to go down the stairs. There was no way that we would have made it into the cellar without flowing water. I wanted him to go down the stairs on his butt, and I would be behind him, and we would be the only two members in the stairway until we got all the way down. Once we were down out of the stairs, I informed the backup firefighter that he could now make his move down into the stairway to come and rejoin the nozzle firefighter and become that nozzle team again. But the order of progression down the stairs was the nozzle firefighter on his butt, me right behind him, and then once we were down, the backup firefighter would make it down. Yeah, and the goal there was if things became untenable quickly, you'd have a clear stairwell. I wanted to, to keep exit. the stairs as clear as I possibly could. And you know as well as I do that stairs on this job become extremely yeah. clogged with firefighters. Once we were in a cellar and we had control of that, that area at the base of the stairs, I mm -hmm. wasn't that concerned anymore because yeah. uh, conditions did begin to improve. Yeah. Now, I just want to go back just a little bit. As you're going to make entry into the cellar, what were the radio communications? What was the chatter like? Was there anything about extension at that point, or was it just right now you're dealing with the cellar fire? Prior to our advance down the stairs, there was no radio reports of fire extending above. It seemed to to uh, <laughs> coincide coincide with us getting into the cellar itself yeah. 
and then the reports of the fire auto extending because it had vented out that side window right. to the first, second, and third floor began the, to come across the radio. I was concerned about that because now we were operating in a below-grade level with fire above us on a couple of floors, which I would have to go up through in the event we had to get out of that cellar. At this point, I was still unaware of any alternate means of egress or even access into the cellar itself. It turned out that there was a rear entrance into the cellar. And they found that later. Much later on, they found it. But it was still a stairway down Mm -hmm. uh, from the exterior. Just going back to um, pushing that line down the stairs, there was a couple other things that I conveyed to the nozzle firefighter. And I think it's important because we don't do a lot of cellar fires and how I like the nozzle firefighter to handle the nozzle itself. Most of the times we tell the nozzle firefighter to have that nozzle out ahead of his body a foot to a foot and a half. That way he can manipulate the nozzle. In cellar fires, when we're going down the stairs, I told him, put more hose out ahead of your body. Not a foot and a half, but two to two and a half feet of hose. That way, as we progressed down the cellar stairs, he still had the ability to keep that nozzle elevated. Because the lower we got and the line raised behind us, that nozzle wants to get driven to the floor. So by putting a little extra hose out in front of his body, just for the stairway itself, he was had the ability to keep that nozzle pointed up where it needed to be. Yeah. And once we got down and out of the stairs, he went back up to that regular firefighting position of a foot to a foot and have a hose yeah. um, ahead of his body. Yeah, that's a good point. Tim, now you made it down into the cellar. I was in a backup firefighter, joined the nozzle team. You mentioned also, this is when you started hearing reports of extension elsewhere in the building. Because maybe just paint a picture of what was going on then? Yeah, at this point... We were just starting to get good water into the cellar itself, but the fire had already auto-extended to the first, second, and third floor. So there were lots of reports coming in of extension to the floor above, and then there was a report from the, from the chief that he was going to darken the fire down from the exterior. And I was trying to get out that we were already in the cellar and do not put a line into the cellar window because we were already in the cellar, and that would really have an adverse effect to what we were doing in the cellar. Uh, it turned out that he meant that he was just going to darken down the the auto extension. Yeah, it was a wood frame building. The yeah. fire was running up the whole mm-hmm. side of the building. Also, one of my concerns was how much extension there was above us. Because if, if we were, began to lose the building, I still had to get my company out of the cellar, which meant I had to pass through an area that had fire in it above us. And that was a major concern of mine, whether they had a line up there, whether the fire was being able to be controlled on the floor above us. You know, our operations at cellar fires start in the most dangerous place to be, according to Vinnie Dunn. In his writings, he says that the floor above is the most dangerous place to be. So at cellar fires, we start our operations in the most dangerous place and head down to an even more dangerous area. And if, yeah, and if it goes bad, we have to exit. Back up to the floor above. Through the most dangerous floor. Through the most dangerous floor. So communication-wise, I was concerned about what was happening on the exterior, and I really wanted to know how much extension there was above us, if they had a handle on it. If they didn't, it would have been important for me to make a decision whether we were going to try to maintain a position in the cellar or back out. But being in the cellar and hearing an exterior line, I was trying to get in communication with the chief to let him know that 88, in fact, was in the cellar and we were putting water on the main body of fire. And everybody knows that at fires that are escalating like this, there's a ton of radio traffic. And uh, one of the things I think we can do better is control the amount of radio traffic until the point where we hear certain things like, Water on the fire, to me, is a very important radio transmission, and I think Chief should really wait for that, and if he doesn't hear it, he should ask for that. Do you have water on the fire? At cellar fires, I think one of them is, are you in the cellar? That's an important thing because that can change everything. And it took me a while to actually 
get through to the chief in charge of the fire to let them know that we were in fact in the cellar and operating and do not put water in that exterior window. Yeah, and I just would explain to our audience, we do have the option of putting in water if we're unable to access the cellar through a window. It's a couple different steps. You have to communicate and coordinate with the engine and truck officer. Nobody in the basement, but uh, in this instance, I agree, communication is, is the key. That exterior water mindset is always an option. Some buildings, there, there is no access to the cellar. There is no and, access you know, to Or the maybe a, not one you could find, or a Bilco door, perhaps. Yeah, and to verify what they would have done is they weren't going to put that line in an attempt to put the fire out in the cellar. It was just, if they had done that, that exterior water was there to, to gain a manageable position so we could now, in fact, advance down back into the cellar and put that fire out. How did it go? Were you able to flow water in, in the cellar? No problems? Not going to fire down? Was it difficult to locate? At this point, uh, the truck boss had made his way down the uh, stairs behind me. And like things that fires become a little bit skewed. When we were in the cellar itself, I thought we'd only progressed five or six feet off the stairway when in fact we had gone about 35 feet. And at that point, we couldn't see any more fire. We still had a pretty good heat condition. And that's where the truck's thermal imager came in very handy. I asked the truck captain if he had his and he put it right up out in front of me, mm -hmm. and I could actually see that we still had another room of fire off to the right side of the hallway. The depth of the building was 70 feet, so it's yeah. a substantial size. So, um, you know, the engines just got thermal imagers. Um, it is an absolute, to me, necessity at certain type fires, cellar fires, commercial building fires. Well, it could help you locate the interior door, especially. That's one of the great advantages of it. For it, the it helped us that night. We would have we actually had to pass the fire and come back to get it. Mm -hmm. uh, it, without the thermal injury. With the thermal injury, we saw right where it was. We made a quick bend in the line, and we were able to get the remaining fire in that last room. Yeah. So it was invaluable to us at that cellar fire. Yeah. And you talk about the cellar fire. You're down there. There are ports of extension. How about air management? How are you thinking about that? So even before our advance into the cellar itself, I was concerned about air management. I was concerned about how much time we'd be in the cellar, and I wanted to make sure, one, that we had a relief engine ready for us, and that as soon as we had the main body of fire knocked down, I was going to be looking for relief. The fact that the fire was extending on multiple floors, did that add to your concern? Is it that absolutely added to my concern because um, we weren't getting reports of the conditions on the floor above once they said they had extension, whether they had a handle on it or not. Mm -hmm. So I was unsure whether I was going to have to send guys out to pass through another adjacent fire area mm -hmm. to just get out of the building. So I was very concerned about getting relief and getting my members out of that cellar. It's not like we're operating in a second floor fire where they can stick their head out a window or come out in a stairway and go one floor below. The members had to leave the cellar, mm -hmm. get up the cellar stairs, pass through an area that had fire in it also, and still get out of the building. As mm -hmm. soon as we had that fire knocked down, I was very concerned and asked the chief right away to send down a relief engine so I could get yeah. those members out of the cellar itself. So let's talk about other safety concerns, all the difficulties we encounter with cellars. What have you seen? Do you have any safety tips that you think would be valuable when confronted with this type fire? There's a lot of them. There's a lot more than people really realize. The condition of the stairs themselves is always a concern, especially when fire meets us at the door, because there's no way for us to check the condition of those stairs from above. Mm -hmm. If I had to transverse a stairway up, I can check the condition of the stairs, whether it's viable. But at a cellar fire, if we're progressing down through it, it's very hard for me to get in and check the integrity of the stairway. Mm -hmm. So that's one concern. Ventilation is a huge concern of mine at cellar fires, whether there's too much 
or not enough. They're both concerns at cellar fires to me. The timing of the ventilation also. Untimed ventilation can create oven-like conditions in the stairway itself. So I was concerned that the truck would start venting cellar windows prior to us being in the cellar themselves. So I wanted to try to limit the amount of ventilation even though the fire had auto-extended itself. Mm -hmm. But the fact that they told me that the fire had broke that cellar window and was now auto-extended, believe it or not, was a good sign to me yeah. because it had a good flow outward. If it had broken a cellar window and we didn't have that much fire extending outward, mm -hmm. I would have been a little bit more concerned that the fire had enough heat to break a window but not enough airflow to leave that cellar. That meant I, would have, I was gonna have a, a bigger fire problem with the cellar itself. So knowing that the fire was actually auto-extending was telling me that what ventilation the fire did by itself was working. Once we're down there and flowing yeah. good water, they can take whatever they want. That whole negative high pressure, low pressure, once I'm flowing water, it really doesn't come into play for me. Yeah, it goes back to communication too, with the uh, coordinated with the truck officers. Another big concern is most times that's where the utilities are. So if I have a fire in the location of, a, of an oil burner or where the gas meters are, I'm more amped up about a gas-fed fire mm -hmm. when it comes to a cellar area because that's where most of the utilities are. So to get to those areas to exclude that, to say, okay, well, the utilities are good, the fire didn't involve the utilities, I think is very good information to get to the people in the street knowing that they don't have that problem with utilities anymore of a gas-fed fire, mm -hmm. that the, the electrical panels are okay, they can deal with that. This type building, we kind of know what it's generally constructed of. Lightweight construction is another real, real concern for us. There's tons of it out there. And if I go to a fire that I know is in the cellar and the occupants are there, one of the first questions I ask the occupant, is the cellar finished? Is it a finished mm -hmm. cellar? And they ask me, well, why would you ask that question? Because if the cellar is finished, then those lightweight constructing yeah. materials are now covered and protected. So it buys me a little bit more time for me to get into that cellar and deal with the room and contents fire that I have down there. If they tell me that it isn't a finished cellar, then I know that those building materials are exposed and if they have a good body of fire down there, I immediately have a building fire and not a room and contents fire, which concerns me a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. You mentioned pulling up in front of the building and indications of what type of fire. Maybe you could explain to our audience what are some indications that you might be dealing with a cellar fire upon arrival. When I pull up to a building, I see smoke out of a chimney, smoke around the window frames, smoke pushing from under the threshold. Those are pretty good indicators that I, I have a fire in the cellar. They're not true indicators, but it's a starting point for me. Once I get into the building, if I get on the first floor and I have smoke pushing through the baseboards, another very good indicator. Smoke pushing out of the stair treads and risers or along the stringers is a pretty good indication that I have a cellar fire itself smoke pushing around in newer construction where the plumbing comes up through the floor. Those are all very, very good indicators that the fire is potentially in the cellar. We all know that we don't know what's there for sure until we get down there, but all those indicators, all those signs and symptoms that we see, smoke from the chimney and the other ones we said, gives us a starting point. And I would be pretty sure at that point with all those indicators, those signs and symptoms, I would be pretty sure to transmit back to the chief that we were probably dealing with a cellar fire. Every fire you go to is a learning experience. What were some of your most important takeaways from this job that really maybe got you thinking or, or even changed the way you, you, know, you wanted to operate? People think that if you're experienced, you're good at what you do, but you're only as good as how you use your experiences. If I'm not applying what I learned 
from this fire here to my next seller fire, then I'm no good. So some of the key points that I, I took away from that is communications. And I think that it's key to have communications with everybody on the fire ground, but especially the people that are operating in that below grade area to keep them informed of conditions. I just can't look out a window of the seller and look at what the conditions are like on the exterior building. But that's one of the big takeaways from that fire that I took. Also, um, locating the stairs. I think that's a big thing. And just not the location of the stairs, but the run of the stairs themselves, where they run from the, the rear of the building toward the front of the building, or they run from the front to the rear into the cellar area. And those become important issues when we're flaking out our hand line. Obviously, if it ran from the front of the building toward the rear, that flake out of the hand line would have been much easier and it would have been a straight run down the stairs to the cellar itself. So that was one of the other things. Monitoring what's going on above us also and trying to get information about, you know, the amount of extension above you was important for me. Uh, one other thing that I thought was important was the alternate means of egress now because we were already operating in the cellar itself I didn't find that out until after we had left the cellar area. I should have been more proactive in my questions when I was asking for information. Um, after the initial question of an alternate access into the cellar, I never asked again to see if they had eventually found another way in and out of the cellar area. So I probably should have been a little bit more proactive in asking those questions. And it is definitely one thing that I will take with me to the next cellar fire that I go to, to make sure that if we're not sure we have an alternate means of egress from the cellar area, that I ask and make sure whether we do have one or we don't have one, but it is information that I wanna know prior to the end of operations. I didn't find that out until after the fire was knocked down and basically we had left the cellar area. Mm -hmm. I would have liked to know that while we were operating in the cellar, just in case the integrity of the stairways that we used had failed on us. But knowing that you have that alternate egress from the cellar area would have been an important point for me to understand. Yeah, and also, but that goes back to what we talk about in communication all right, there's extension, but how much? You know, the probing question, the second and third question is really important. One thing I didn't add is at a lot of fires, you know, we'll call for booster water. Hey, give me booster water. I would say that at cellar fires, booster water is a never. We will never enter that cellar without mm -hmm. a true positive water source. For the engine companies, that's important because positive water is knowing basically a limit, unlimited supply of water. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to a below grade area from an area that's above that with 500 gallons of water. It just doesn't make any sense. And I think that that should be an always. We will always have a positive water source uh, when we're going to advance down into a cellar area. Yeah, that's great. That's a really good recap. Really, it was a difficult operation. It seemed like you guys did a great job. The members did a, a wonderful job that day. I couldn't have asked for more. Yeah, all around, great job. I appreciate you coming down and sharing with us. It's really great that I was I had the ability to come down and pass some of the things we learned from this fire on. Thanks again. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm Battalion Chief Brian Mulry. For more training and information from our department's subject matter experts, go to FDNYPro.org. FDNY Pro is online at FDNYPro.org. Subscribe today and get inside access to the FDNY. Learn more about our publications, professional conferences, and other tools for first responders. Train with New York's Bravest. Twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, three hundred and sixty-five days a year. 
And when seconds count, the men and the women of the FDNY are there for us, to protect us and keep us safe when the unthinkable happens. No matter the challenge, no matter the danger, our firefighters and EMTs serve with honor, dedication, and bravery. New York's bravest are there for us. Let's be there for them. Your support of the FDNY Foundation ensures that the world's best fire department has the world's best training, equipment, and education. Go to FDNYFoundation.org and help New York's bravest save a life today.